0: Hello and welcome to episode 556 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, May 31st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo for the second edition of Call Your Shot, which is a direct ripoff of Anthony Fantano's Let's Argue series, where he solicits unpopular opinions and hot takes and uh, about the music uh, music industry and addresses them. In a YouTube video. So we've made it baseball related. Call your shot, a name from one of y'all. Cannot remember who. Need to find that thread and give proper credit. But y'all came up with a handful of really good names. And I really like this one. So it's call your shot. Tweet it out. Leave your baseball related, unpopular opinions, scorching hot takes, and thought provoking questions. And I'll answer them in an episode. So. Last time I did it, I kind of, you know, got a few, got the ones I liked, got the ones I wanted to use, really put some notes together, and and, kind of had it ready, uh, overly detailed perhaps. This time, I'm going to try it a little bit differently. I'm going to, first off, we're going to get to more, and that was part of it too, is that, you know, since I'm only, I'm going deep on like four or five of them, we're only going to do four or five. Today, I'm going to respond, I'm going to scroll down the Twitter thread and just kind of give my... Boom, straightaway take. Nothing prepared. Let's just dive into it. And we'll start with one from Walter McMichael at Real Fake Walter. Good name. Uh, Taking names away from player evaluation will better help you. Jose Ramirez's profile was so much better than Chris Bryant's coming into the season, yet Bryant went higher in almost every draft because of the bias associated with his name. And then on this one, (laughs) I've lied already. Because I do have a little bit of, of prep there because uh, he and I kind of bantered a little bit on this one. So, God, why am I such a giant liar? I don't know. Maybe I'll get better. Who knows? But, uh, no, we kind of went back and forth on this one. And I, I I like the idea that taking away names. And this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot and, and an exercise I want to do. And I I think Nick would be in for it. Or basically, I get one of the Fangraphs leaderboards that I like for pitching. Strip away the names, give it to him, say rank it, and then kind of order them. Um, you know, put put the names back in and kind of see what the what the order is. And you know, it would be something that would probably be from the start of last year to now. And maybe I would do. Ooh, you know the way to do it. Would be yeah if it's all rates that's fine okay I was thinking I was like because you know the volume would give it away but anyway I like this idea I didn't love the example because when you really look at it I think Jose Ramirez and Chris Bryant were kind of a coin flip and I do think that uh, you know even with last year's RBI totals for Bryant I don't think that you could really make the case that that Ramirez was substantially better or that if you had stripped away the names you would have inherently leaned toward Ramirez you know ten out of ten times or even eight out of ten times. Again, do like the principle of, of blind resumes. And, that, and that's kind of where we reached the accord of like, hey, totally agree with what we're saying here, except for the, the two players in question, but blind resumes are worthwhile. So I uh, agreed with Walter on that one. Next up is get on Malevel with an underscore there. And it's, you know, I'm not even going to spell it out. If you, if you want your, your Twitter handle to be shared, get a better Twitter handle. Okay. I'm I'm not on your level, okay? Uh I'm on my own level of not reading off your underscores and you know, shortenings of words. But I will read your tweet. Javier Baez is the Cubs best player. Hmm. To which I responded, named Javier. Um No, we just we just talked about the Cubs best player. I still think it's Chris Bryant, man. And um I think that's pretty pretty easy uh this this will be a quick fly by if only to kind of update on on where javier baez is and kind of still the volatility that's in his game and that's okay that's not a bad thing because you get to a bottom line that really works then kind of how you get there isn't that big of a deal? I know he's he's hitting fine um, again very recently here, like the last two weeks or whatever. But you know, came back to earth in in May with a two sixty three, two sixty seven, four ninety five uh, line for good for a seven sixty two OPS there. That's two hundred and one points down from where Javier Baez was in April. So, uh, but no, obviously can't really put him there. Now we'll call him level. That's what I call him. He's he, he's actually a guy from my from my uh, Twitch chat, so he's not going to be. He's not going to take it too personally that I, that I roasted his, uh, his Twitter handle. But, no, he says, you know, all the things they ask him to do, constantly moving around the lineup, constantly moving around the diamond and still producing, like, he, he's kind of factoring in some of those soft, uh, soft factors there. And I understand that, particularly with this, with this ball club, that's something to do. However, everyone kind of does it. The aforementioned Chris Bryant moves around, Anthony Rizzo esteemed second baseman. You know, that's just kind of part of being a cub, and that's that's how you're gonna get playing time too if you're Javier Baez. So no, I can't quite get him there yet. Um I've got Bryant pretty much the easy number one. I still think that if you're really just kind of looking at a talent situation and, and impact to a team, you gotta get Rizzo number two. I know he's off to a tough start. You know, this is not the best time to make a case like that. And yet I'm going to make a case like that because you you can't just go off of two months from a guy that has the kind of track record that Anthony Rizzo does and and then take two months where Javier Baez is out playing him um, and and say that that has flipped. Plus, you know, there was a walk rate issue with Anthony Rizzo, and that's right back on track. He's already at 11%. He has like a one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio. Honestly, the hits are going to start falling. His pop-ups – are going to stop being caught by by pesky uh washington outfielders sorry i'm referencing the playoff thing listen rizzo is uh, getting heat for the whole slide thing and i totally get that obviously spirit of or the the letter to the law that was a legal slide uh but he's he's clearly trying to take him out and the idea that baseball has to be a contact sport like that's that makes it tough uh is stupid and so purposely trying to take players out is, is dumb Bottom line on, on Rizzo, and I've gotten off on a tangent here, uh, I can't see how he's not a buy low uh, for fantasy. Or, or buy. I don't want to say buy low because I'm not sure anyone's giving him away. That's the thing with guys like that. Paul Goldschmidt. Like, what are you, what are you getting? Jeff Zerman did a great piece on that, looking at um, at Paul, Paul Goldschmidt trades over at Yahoo and found that he was going for, like, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, sick buy low. Anyway, no on Javier Baez. I like what you are going for, though. Now, here's one from Jay Lebeck, 66, Jason Lebeck. Acuna Jr. should run through the bag rather than play umpire. And he says, unpopular opinion, part two, all players should run through the bag. You know, because I was saying that's easy to critique from afar, especially after he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, because that's just kind of, that, that, that's an instinctual thing. Like, that's not some calculated decision to do that. That, that's that's just kind of in the heat of the moment you you do something like that and it happened to go really sideways for Acuna, and no no, um, that that honestly that's kind of part of the the emotion of the game. I don't need it to be so staid. That just just hustle through the bag and make that right turn over into the foul territory. No, not for me, man. Um, it sucks that he got hurt, but that's. that's like a time hunter tradition in baseball trying to beat one out and calling yourself safe i'm i'm sorry like come on there is a point where like trying to get the most efficient i i know charlotte i know it's a it's it's a tough one jason's a good guy though let's not let's not beat him up charlotte i don't know if you guys heard her bark but she's not feeling this either um dang it i lost my train of thought had to bring charlotte in on the joke and then lost my my train of thought like a clown oh i think i was going to say like trying to get every bit of efficiency in the game can you know uh cut take away from the game right the efficiency of you know, like just streamline run down the line and boom don't worry about kind of enjoying or or you know having emotion in it and i'm sorry i can i just can't i can't agree to that um and 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 say that Acuna Jr needs to get heat for that or that guys shouldn't do that cuz again i don't think it's something that they're like thinking about and, and just uh, and just trying to do. All right, next up is Cooperstown Kurt TWI MLB The Show is his Twitter handle. He does a show on the video game MLB The Show. Uh, it's called This Week in MLB The Show, so you should check that out, especially if you play the game. Uh, legit opinion: Homer announcers with personality and passion for their team are far better for the game as a whole than robotic, unbiased ones. Obvious exception are nationally televised games, World Series, All Star, etc. Even announcers I don't like are more interesting when they're unhinged. I don't need them unhinged, but obviously, with the with the opinion I just had, I cannot then turn around and say that the booth needs to be dead center, no lean, whatever. You know, I'm in on 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 the general anti hawk sentiment, but I think that's kind of part of what Kurt's getting at. Like it's kind of fun to dislike that guy i don't think i've ever suggested that he shouldn't be in the game i just like clowning on him and i know that there's been kind of a turn where it's where there's some pro hawk folks now maybe because it's gotten so toast in booths and it is nice to hear a refreshing perspective or 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 something different um i i absolutely agree with that i don't think it just needs to be called down the line tom hamilton on the radio is absolutely fantastic and he has that sort of flair and it doesn't have to just be overly biased to the point where you're not calling the game straight up like have emotion but you can put some of that emotion on the on your own ball club at times too and and say you know not not in like a nasty way and be like oh i can't believe he missed that that's a six there that bum needs to go i don't think we're going to be saying that or anything but you know just have some flair for what's going on in the game and you know that's why it's nice to hear different voices too you got um jessica mendoza on the espn she's uh right in line with kind of you know solid but unspectacular you not amazing but definitely not terrible but it's a different refreshing take and you can tell she does homework and and absolutely wants to be good at the job you can find a lot of color commentators that don't really seem to put in any sort of research and just kind of go off their old yarns that they're going to spin uh you know five times a year over the course of 162 and then uh, every single year and we're going to hate ourselves for listening to it so i um, mean they got jenny kavner over in colorado doing some play by play and again it's just nice to have something refreshing something different try something different have some flair i i can think of a i'm not just going to sit here and uh crap all over these you know generic play-by-or play, generic announcers play-by-play play and color it's not it's not one or the other necessarily although obviously by nature of the job play-by-play play is expected to be more staid and and down the line and then the color commentator can be a little bit more but even the color commentators i think Sometimes they're just, like, so boring. Again, but I'm not going to name a ton of names. I definitely agree with this, though, Kurt. I definitely agree that we need more, more flair. You know, they're interesting thing. It's crazy that this is coming up right now. Dallas Braden just had a situation where, you know, there's a question of did he cross a line. Last night announcing the Oakland as Bay Rays game. Nathan Evaldi throwing a gem. Cameras kind of catch him, you know, kind kind of show him maybe like digging in in the glove a little bit. You really got to watch the video. I'm not going to give a great representation, and your mind's going to kind of go wherever it wants with this. So I'll try to tweet it out as well, and so it's in my feed. But but you can find it. Just say just look for Dallas Braden, Nathan Ivaldi, and I'm pretty sure it'll come up. Um, but essentially, calls him out for using pine tar. Now, is that the kind of flare we want? Now the one thing I've always understood about Pine Tar from guys that played the game too. This is not just um MLB the Show geek here talking. This is this is players, scouts, managers, the people in the game. That it is generally accepted because first off every team is doing it on some level. And there is a protection measure to it. If and this, this is the way he described it yesterday with the way the wind's blowing the, the, the way the the um weather conditions were, the ball could feel like a cue ball in a in a night like last night in Oakland, according to Braden. And instead, if you get that little grip, it's obviously gonna be a lot better. Now you don't want it to be a cue ball for anybody, your guy or the opposing guy. Because then where the hell is it going? And at ninety five plus from from Most of the pitchers, if you have no clue where it's going and they're, they're rifling a cue ball, that's, that's bad news. So, you know, that was kind of the thing when the Pineda situation happened. It's like, Hey man, we get it. It's cold. We want them to have some grip too. We don't even need them up under our chin and what have you, but you put a four pound glop on your neck and we got to say something. I think it almost pained the Red Sox. I know, you know, going against the Yankees, you love to score one over. And I'm sure you uh, fans on both sides will disagree that no, no, we wanted to get them or no, of course, they were coming after us. I th- I think it might have pained them a little bit to do that, to say, listen, let's not shine a lot of heat on this since everyone's doing it. But you, you're you not going to abuse this in our own park with, uh, with a nine pound glob. That's right. I added five pounds to it of pine tar on your neck, Michael. Like, that's just not going to happen here. So they had to call it out. He kind of forced their hand. But, you know, a little bit here and there. You got the – Craig Kimbrell has a poop stain on his hat. Like, what is that? We're, we're going to pretend like n- nobody sees that? Like and, and several other guys have it. His is just more prominent. Guys go to their arm all the time. Guys go in their gloves similar to what Evaldi did. It, 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 it's It's happening. It's just – it's a matter of degree. And I understand that breaking the rules is breaking the rules. But it is tough if you're going to have color commentators or play-by-play announcers saying, yo, that guy's cheating right there and just calling that out right there. Like, that's going to turn into something maybe a little bit more than even Kurt wants when he's saying that we need guys with personality and what have you. So, yeah, that, uh, I, I, I definitely agree with the general point. I would actually be curious, Kurt, to, uh, to see what you think about the Dallas Braden situation. All right, next up is JFlow underscore 22. See, that's pretty easy. I'll I'll throw an underscore in there when when we're dealing with, like, uh, seven characters here. Or what is that? No, that is seven. Sweet. I can count. Lit. Uh, A team of all Jose's would compete for a World Series this season. At catcher, you got Jose Lobetone, then Jose Abreu, Altuve, Ramirez, Peraza around the infield, Bautista, Perella, and Martinez in the outfield. And then Iglesias or Reyes at DH. First off, Iglesias is going in over Peraza. Unless, is Peraza's defensive profile better than I've remembered? I've never remembered him to be particularly great. In fact, I'd rather have him in the outfield, I think. Okay, let me get to the pitching, by the way. Jose, uh, Barrios, Quintana, Urania, Leclerc, Alvarado, and Alvarez. Now, obviously, couldn't fill out a whole team there. You probably have to bring up some minor leaguers. He's just trying to show the general point. It would, in fact, not compete for a World Series, but it would be pretty darn good. It would be a good team. It would wipe the floor with the Marlins. That's for sure. I mean, the thing of it is, okay, in this theoretical, it has to stay healthy the whole time. And, and what are the uh, Jose minor leaguers that we're pulling in f- to fill out the rest of the pitching and for the bench? you know? So you're giving away, let's see, that's six pitchers, and only f- three of them are true starters with Barrios, Quintana, and Urena. So you got LeQuerc, Alvarez, Alvarado, any other Jose's that we forgot? I'm trying to think. It'd be an interesting team. And I think you could do that with, with f- probably a few other names too. But um, obviously you're trying to think, and we're all trying to think of like a Michael, Mike one. It's like, hmm, because we just want to get trapped there. So anyway, I like it. I like a J-Flow. I don't think that they would uh compete for a world series but i do think they'd be pretty decent quick one uh deshane jc jonathan deshane says ross stripling is legit got to agree with you i think we covered that one on the uh on the most recent podcast with uh, with nick and yes ross stripling is is really impressive that curveball is is quite nasty they get ken uh, excuse me they get kershaw back tonight i know they did they just lost maeda so that's I'm not saying that's a direct one-to-one, but it's not just purely adding Kershaw. It's, you know, you get that gain, but then you're you're still using um, your Brock Stewart or whomever back there. But Stripling's been a godsend for them because you're going to have Kershaw, Wood, Bueller. Stripling as a top four. That's pretty good. You can kind of figure it out as you keep going there. So definitely re- legit. Oh, here's one from Caliente Baseball. B-E-I-S-B-O-L. That's spelling of baseball. Brandon Belt would be an MVP candidate if he played in the Bronx. Brandy from the Bronx. We're calling Brandon Belt Brandy now. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm giving that sort of accent either. I need to stop immediately. (sighs) You know, he probably would be because he'd have a few more home. If you take this season right now and and you can overlay it, as a Yankee, and through that schedule and through those parks, I bet we could pluck another four or five homers out of there. Let's just put them at 15. Let's get four. Let's be aggressive here with a, with this fictional Brandon Belt season here that we're putting. And uh, 15 would be pretty darn high. It wouldn't be league lead. It would be tied for the fourth most with uh, Judge and Gallo and then Machado, Jose the aforementioned Jose Ramirez, Betts, Harper, J.D. and Trout would be all all ahead with 18, 17, and 16. Um, yeah, I mean, he'd be beasting because you got to figure that the OPS would be well above 1,000 at that point, too. And he's because he's already at 954, Brandon Belt is. Yeah, he probably would be. Does that mean he would, you know, continue at that clip? Uh, who knows? But he 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 would be. He would be a contender. You know, one way that we can kind of see that that this doesn't prove it this kind of underscores what uh, what's being said here by uh, Matt Matt Murr is WRC plus because that that weights it and kind of takes into account where he plays and so he might not have the same WOBA of, of some of his contemporaries. You know. For example, a good, a, a good comparison is like Brandon Belt versus Nolan Arenado to show you how WRC Plus works. Brandon Belt has a 161. So his production, his weighted runs created plus based on where he's doing it, how, uh, how, he's, you know, how he's getting it done, is, is 61% better than league average. Nolan Arenado has a 15-point better WOBA, but because it's in Coors, gets a little bit of a ding, it's at, he's at a 152. So he's about 52 percent better than league average with his 152 WRC plus there. So, but but that right there, the 161 for Belt kind of gets you an idea of like, yo, look at these skills. Factor in that it's in a difficult environment. He's eighth in WRC plus. He'd probably jump up four to five spots if he was a Yankee. Yes, Brandon Belt would be an MVP candidate if he was in the Bronx right now, and then he would fade and uh, you know give it give it to Trout who. Rightfully owns it. Uh, I I see. I see you, Mookie Betts fans. Relax. Relax. It'll be fine. Uh, Betts is right there. I'm just making it. I'm just making a joke. Oh no! I clicked on something. What did I do? Oh God. Don't click on tweets ever. Just leave them, or else you'll lose the thread. Okay, let's do a few more here. Doom to doom. Oh. Speaking of of Mr. Nolan Arenado, I did not even plan this. This one came literally right after. Of course, poke underscore CA could have never known that I was going to reference Nolan Arenado in the Brandon Belt one. So the idea that it came right after as some sort of great coincidence uh, doesn't make any sense. He says, Nolan Arenado is better than Bryce Harper by a wide margin. He should have one NL MVP, probably two. Now, I will use this as a jump off to say that the aforementioned WRC Plus that I used with regards to you know uh Nolan Arenado versus Belt also I think underscores a little bit of too much too much of a hit that, that Rockies pitchers or Rockies hitters face, I think. And I think they get discounted a little bit too much. Yes, they play in a great environment. That is unquestioned. The degree to which you should bring their numbers down you know to compensate uh i think is still an open question even after all this time and i think it's a little too harsh personally just a little there's you know just uh not 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 something that's the end of the world but i'm usually given a little extra boost uh on the wrc plus when i'm when i'm kind of doing mental comparisons there and and maybe i have arenado a little bit closer to you know brandon bell or something listen it's great that he gets to play in that environment but you can only punish a guy so so much. Like you have to factor it, right? Because it's a hell of a lot different than playing half your games in San Francisco. I fully acknowledge that. But you also, I mean, you got to look at what he's been doing. Guy gets better every year. Nolan Arenado, and just continues to absolutely decimate, and has had you know success on the road too. It's not just a straight home road. But plus, plus, I don't. Is there any WRC plus adjustment to Coors guys on the road uh, to account for the Coors hangover, which has been studied and and shows that that they have an appreciable uh, negative impact when they hit the road because of what they get used to uh, playing in Coors. I don't think so. So that could be the offset for the for the you know for hitting them too hard uh, at home, but instead they get both. They get hit too hard at home, and then they don't get any any uh, leeway on the road. But anyway. Um, I, I, I can't agree with the way better than Bryce Harper bit. Like the the mental gymnastics some of us do, and some of us meaning the baseball community, because sure as hell isn't me. Um, to to pretend Bryce Harper isn't great uh, is comical. Y'all need to chill, man. You guys are out here whiling like crazy on that stuff. Oh, he has one good season. Well, first off. If we're going to talk about that one good season, let's not pretend it was some Brady Anderson sort of spike out of nowhere and, and acknowledge it for the historically amazing season that it was. But he's also literally never been bad. In fact, the worst he's ever been was 100 games at age 21, mind you, of a 111 OPS plus. I'm on baseball reference. So that's why I'm switching between WRC+ plus and OPS plus. They're not that different. Then it's so crazy to to bounce between the two But I'm just letting you know Where I'm at right now And I'm looking at uh, At, at old Harp on uh, baseball reference And so a 111 That's his worst He had a 158 last year. Yes injuries have robbed him and, and limited him to just one One season of 150 games um, Only two seasons of 600 plus plate appearances Did have 597 as a 19 year old But um, you know if 600 is the cutoff, it's, it's two. But stop. He's got a 904 career OPS, it, you know, 54 games into his age 25 season. And a 141 OPS plus. Like, stop. He's absolutely amazing, okay? He's tremendous. There you know, the idea that, like, he gets hurt on purpose or there's some sort of flaw to him. You're going to try to tell me that he doesn't take care of his body? I mean, are you seriously going to watch Bryce Harper play and tell me that that's a body that that has issues that that he should be doing something to to make that better? You know, so. (sighs) Stop. He's amazing. He's absolutely incredible. All right. Next up. Let's see here. Whoa. This one is straight. heat, Dave petroziello that's d p e t r one two six seven six you know that breaks my rule i shouldn't have read that one that's that's too many numbers it's not a word i can't say d pet r i guess i could have shut up i i hate everybody uh brandon nimmo greater than one subtle rest of season whoa temperature just rose 10 degrees here in my apartment that is some heat hmm oh man <sighs> no, I don't think I can accept it. That was me deliberating, and I decided to do it on air. Man, I don't know. That's tough because, like, okay, I get it. I get what you're going for of like, yo, check out what Brandon Nimmo's doing, and we got a 19-year-old over here. That's you know, what, what what's he even gonna do? I think we would have to put like an a plate appearance, sort you know, if we were gonna do like a full on. Bet or whatever, because if he gets you know, if it doesn't work and he gets sent back down, he never really gets the chance. I guess that's part of what you could be saying though, and I would accept that. Um, yeah, at least if you're going to be a platoon player, and and Nimmo absolutely is, you're going to be you know, be the strong side because he doesn't hit lefties at all. Yes, 31 plate appearances, terrible work for Brandon Nimmo, but an 11 15 OPS, five homers. Uh, four triples, five doubles, and three stolen bases against righties. So that's pretty good. Four sixty-eight OBP too, because he has seventeen walks against just eighteen strikeouts. Man, Juan Soto looks like such a phenom, though. I mean, you know, we haven't seen him struggle yet, so you know, I'm not I'm not going to bug out too much on thirty-seven plate appearances. Like, I think he. You know you're still in that stage, ten games in your career, when you can have four o for fours, and people will say, "Oh man, that guy sucks," because his numbers will look terrible because of he's because he's 0 for his last sixteen or something. Because um, there's just thirty-seven point appearances is nothing. Man, that's tough. I'm 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 gonna stick to. It. I'm gonna say no. I think uh, I think Soto. I think Soto's gonna be the dude. I think he's gonna be pretty good. You know the one thing that makes it tough because you put rest of the season. I, th- I think fantasy. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna assume fantasy because that's the realm that I that I live in and and that's why most people are following me on Twitter and so I get that, and that makes it really tough because stolen bases could really get the job done. You know Juan Soto can have a really good year, like it'd be considered a total success if he winds up hitting 280 with 14 homers. You know like a decent triple slash but not quite, you know, just not as many homers, solid uh OBP, solid slug, you know, something in the 800s with his OPS, but then no steals, medium ribbies and, and runs depending on where he's batting. Where's he been batting? Let me see. Let me see where Juan Soto's been batting in the lineup. Uh, fifth and sixth. So there'll be some ribbies there uh if if he's doing what I'm what I'm like suggesting but but the steals for Nemo could really kind of take it over. So if you are doing a fantasy value thing, I think it is a lot closer. I can't I can't dismiss it and say that that's crazy. So I won't do that. I like it. I think it is bold. I think a lot of people would inherently say, "No, that's crazy." Um but no. I think I think it's viable. I'm still going to go with Soto. All right. Um oof. I long called... Okay, this is from Lunch LunchBizzle22. I long called Matt Harvey Ubaldo Jimenez, and that was back when he was popular, simply because everyone freaked out over three-fourths of one great season. Who ended up being better? Damn. You know, it's really hard to... Actually, it's kind of easy. I was going to say it's kind of hard, hard to take those stances at the height of, of a player's popularity, but it's actually kind of easy because then you can just slough it off when you're wrong. That's why I always kind of want something in it, right? Cause it's easy to say those sorts of things. And then if, if Matt Harvey goes on to be super elite, poof, we never hear from that guy again. Right. And listen, I'm not trying to crap on lunch biz or whatever. I'm just saying like those predictions are very easy to make unless you're kind of, you know, staking something on it to say, okay, this is what I believe. Um, but hey, you were out there saying it. You didn't you didn't vibe with him. I'm I'm taking you at your word for sure. Now I want to get down to the brass tacks of who was better. So let's pull up some Ubaldo Jimenez. I think it might be Jimenez because you know, we don't even know like at 29, Harvey is already in the Jimenez stage of where where Jimenez was when he was uh you know, the last couple of years, 32, 33, so like a couple of years ahead of schedule. I mean, We've got f- four, five, six, seven seasons of 175 plus innings, and those all from Ubaldo. And those aren't all good, y'all. We we know that those are not all filled with with great numbers or anything like that. Let me give you some. Uh, let's get some ERA pluses here because that will help tamp down the situation in in Colorado. Where is Ubaldo pitching now? He's on the Orioles, right? Okay, why can't I find him here? Paul looks for a player on a page. Does okay. This would be hilarious. Has he not pitched this year? Oh, he hasn't pitched this year. I'm an idiot. That's why. God, I'm dumb. Um, okay, going back to 2017. Man, I thought I, I thought I got one over on Baseball <laughs> Reference. I was like, oh, they forgot somebody. <laughs> nope, hasn't pitched this year. Okay, let's look at this. So, going from. The start of his career through 15. Ubaldo had 1,585 innings of a 108 ERA plus. And then the last two years totally, totally trash. Let's see what Harvey's got. Because I think just on track record alone, and that really matters. When once you get to a certain separation of innings, it doesn't really matter what you know what your best season was in comparison and the fact that Harvey was, you know, just take Harvey's whole career. Now, it's not over either, by the way, guys. Let's not pretend that Matt Harvey is completely done because we've seen pitchers rise from way deeper depths. Way, way deeper. Right now, he's got all... Everything's on the field. Well, I guess we don't know. He could be dealing with some stuff off the field. But it seems to be contained on the field and it's not, you know, getting arrested and, and, and getting in trouble with the law and stuff like that. It is his baseball stuff. and And... Assuming it is confined to that, that is fixable. It's eminently fixable. It happens all the time. Guys go to the minors. Guys go to independent league and come back. So he hasn't even begun that journey. He's still in the majors right now, Matt Harvey. But he only has 659 innings of a 105 ERA+. So his ERA plus isn't even better than what you... By the way, you want to take in the last two seasons for Ubaldo? He's at a 100, but it's for 1,870 innings. So then you get a five-point advantage for... Harvey, but give me twelve hundred more innings. Come on. Come on. I'm taking I'm taking Ubaldo for sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There might have been higher heights with uh with Harvey, particularly the, the, the twenty thirteen season, and then he backed it up uh, with you know a great twenty fifteen season that was after the TJ in the middle there. But one of those seasons is canceled out by Ubaldo's twenty ten, and while while he never you know look at his 2009 before that 2010 he actually had a two-year run very similar wow i keep forgetting about the 2009 season when ubaldo was pretty darn good 347 era for 218 innings that was good for a 136 era plus so take those two seasons take harvey's two good seasons and what do you got you got 440 innings for ubaldo with a 147 era plus and you got 368 innings of a 148 plus for Harvey. So you got similar results uh league or con- context dependent, league and context dependent meaning he pitched in Coors and and the 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 offensive environment was different, but you got the same sort of production. But again, you got an innings advantage with Ubaldo. Part of that is that it came 5 6 years later and um they just weren't pushing guys as much too. So some of that's beyond Harvey's control. He's just not going to get You know, five complete games for Ubaldo, only one for Harvey, kind of. A little bit telling there, even though it's only a difference of four. All right, let's see if we can find one more good one and close it out here. Some of these are pretty good. Some of them are pretty obvious. Oh, here's one. This is interesting. I mean, it's it, it's it's hard to say. I'll, I'll go with this one. Uh, Barry Plox, P L O X thirty three. Lucas Barry says Vlad Junior goes top thirty in twenty nineteen drafts. So next year top thirty. I don't know. Like, what would he have to come up and do to really justify that? Because you know Cunha didn't play last year, so that's part. You know, that's part of it. But and Albies wasn't the same kind of prospect. But he only really got up to like top what 75 well maybe you know i don't know you'd have to come up and have two pretty darn good months vlad jr would i don't think just a little cup of coffee would do it i I don't i don't think that would do it um okay we'll end with this one grizzly six six one seven Peds aren't bad for baseball i really don't care about peds in terms of like vilifying players I understand what you break the rule. You, you pay the consequence. This is not me saying like they shouldn't get in trouble or anything like that. It's me saying like, I don't now hate that player and think he's a morally reprehensible piece of garbage. I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, I think part of it's on baseball to put an incentive structure in place or dis disincentive structure. Cause right now, like, okay, you, you have a news cycle where you're vilified and then there are going to be some people that still bring it up, but what what really happens? Nothing. You kind of just move on. Now, if you get if you're a repeat, but you get the one, you basically get one free strike, and it's 80 games. But if over the course of the entire you know career, or to take your shot and maybe not even get caught, is 80 games worth it? it kind of is. Sorry, it kind of is. Um, you know the problem is because yeah, I I agree. Like, and I've heard other people say, and it's not. It's not uh, the most prevalent take, but it's certainly not something that nobody says. Uh, I think, Grizzy, you and I could find some allies on this for sure that players should take, you know, should be allowed to take stuff. Policing it, though, is so difficult. And you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. So you start opening up some stuff, it's going to be pushed to this point. Although I would say we currently have stuff that, that, you know, is probably in a gray area. That we just don't really under- you know, know about because it's not illegal. Charlotte, I know you're not going to be able to take PEDs until you're four. I've told you that. Stop. Sorry, we don't mean to bring my personal business, but she's been trying to take PEDs. She's trying out for Little League next year, and I'm like, no, you can't just go in juiced up, Charlotte. It's just not going to be fair. So anyway, um, yeah, I I just don't know. I don't know that you could really police it uh, to the point of saying like hey, you guys can take this one, but don't take any more, please. Uh, and the testing is always going to be behind kind of the technology. Now, I will say some of these guys that have been getting popped, you read stuff from, from guys that know this sort of stuff, know these PEDs in and out, and they say, man, you're so stupid for getting caught because you can cycle in a way where you shouldn't even be getting caught. I believe that happened with Martes. I think it was, uh, what is it, Stan Conti, Victor Conti? Pardon me, I, I, I have the wrong name. I'm, I think it was a Conti, but I was reading, and he was just saying, like, there's no universe where you should get caught with this particular PED because of the way you take it, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, we, we see guys still get popped, and it's always surprising. Here's one thing to maybe, like, don't cut your pearls immediately because it's not uh, in the stall before the game shooting needles full of stuff. Like, that's not really... I'm not saying, like, there's none of that, but, like, that's not really it from what I understand, and I don't understand a ton of it, okay, because I'm built like Carl Edwards Jr., Chris Sale, and Taylor Swift, okay, so I'm clearly not taking any of it, but I've been led to believe, again, by people who who understand this stuff, at least on some degree, that it's, 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 it's not, it shouldn't be vilified to this level of, like, it's this super seedy thing. It can happen in the course of like you think you 're doing the right thing, taking these supplements and whatnot, and you get popped for something now that 's on you i 'm not saying that they 're do to do they 're so innocent they 're just bopping along, taking whatever people tell them to put in your body. Hey, you can put something in your body and your livelihood can depend on it, then you better freaking check and figure out if it's if it 's legit or not. There are easy ways to do that, so this is not a a, a way to absolve the players, but i 'm saying it 's not always some nefarious seedy thing. And again, I think most people think of like Jose Canseco shooting needles of of anabolic steroids into Mark mcguire's ass as like, yo, that's PEDs all the time. Yo, it was probably Tom Gordon was doing it for D Gordon, you know? Like that that they think this like craziness of, of what it is and it's just not like that and you know, putting the sins of of like like pay for your sins. Get you get in trouble, eat it stop lying to us too by the way when you guys get caught um but pretending that there's some goblin awful bad person i think is uh is silly too because i don't really think that peds are because t- they are taking peds they're just legal like they there's a lot of legal peds out there that are making these guys into the specimens that they are and that's fine um i know charlotte okay but anyway i'm gonna wrap up because charlotte's ready to go outside gotta practice for a little league i'm gonna keep that stupid joke going but i appreciate you guys participating this was awesome i i was blown away by the uh by by the the response and we will definitely do it again without uh you know a month and a half in between maybe every couple weeks because i really enjoy this hopefully you all do too and uh i'll be back tomorrow with justin peace What an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league's scoring system. The app also provides waiver-wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL,